We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Let's read verses 26 and 27. God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Now let's go to chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. I want to talk to you tonight about, or let's talk about expression. Expression. Uh, Creation day six was the day God would express himself like he hadn't expressed himself at all in any other creation days. Creation day six. Do you know what creation day six is? Okay. God forms man out of the dust of the ground. <clears throat> and so as he forms man out of the dust of the ground, now here, here's a body. Here's the shell, and here it is lying there. So this body, this shell, has eyes that have no sight. This thing, ears that have no hearing, lungs that have no air, a heart without a beat. The exclamation point of God's creation was like what was the greatest of all creation was lifeless, laid there lifeless, formed without breath, formed without life. You know, the birth of a newborn is special. If, if you're, I was fortunate to be with both of my girls. The birth of a newborn is special. Even if you're not there, just the fact that a newborn is born is very special. It's a, it's a miracle within itself. So imagine what it must have been like to see the first man take his breath. Now, I don't know that God was awed by it. <laughs> I think it would be very hard to awe God. But imagine that there are all this angelic host that for the first time they get to see the first birth of the first person to ever exist. So, you know, sometimes we think, well, God did this and that, but with the angelic host, when God performs, you know, the angelic host is in constant praise and worship of what God does. That's, that's their being. And so imagine what that must have been like when he breathed into Adam the breath of life and and. Adam stood up, and now this thing that was a ball of dirt formed in the image of God is now this living thing. I, I, I think all of heaven was probably awed. The king of creation breathed into this lifeless crea- creation, and this lifeless thing became a living soul. Living, breathing being. Not spoken into existence like the rest of creation. The angelic host watched God speak things into existence, speak a word, and things would happen. Think, you know, but He formed and fashioned with His own hands this thing called man, this this human. Uh, not only that, you know, all that God formed and fashioned was physical. All that He formed and fashioned was physical. Fish. Uh, giraffes, trees, and all that stuff. But man was physical and spiritual. So kind of get the idea. You know, this is something we've heard all our life. But Adam was created with the ability to think and to reason and to feel. So Adam was, from the very beginning, was wired in a certain way, unlike the rest of creation. He was wired to reflect, to resemble, and to represent God in this earth. Adam was God's representation of who God is in this earth. So I want you to let this sink in a little bit because we are the offspring. All of us are the offspring of Adam. All of us are. We are all from that same lineage. So why did God create humans differently than the rest of creation? All of creation honors God and worships God and praises God. All of creation does that. It's not that we were created to worship and they weren't. All creation worships. So why, why was man created in God's image, but the rest of the creation was a spoken thing from God? So just, just real quickly, I'm going to say, say a few things. I want you to think about that a second because I want to ask your opinion on it. So God created 
man, here's just a few things. I, I want to get y'all to input. He created the human being so that, that he would have a way to fill the earth with his own likeness. The reason that God created man like he did was because what was his direction to Adam and Eve? To go and replenish the earth, to go and fill the earth. What was he going to fill the earth with? People, that's not what God meant. God meant go fill the earth with my image. The whole purpose that we were created was to fill earth with the image of God. It was so God could, could reveal his heart and nature in the world. The reason nature in itself expresses it, but doesn't reveal it like man can reveal it. Man was created so that we could reveal the very nature and heart of God in the world. Let this one kind of... The reason Adam was created and God made Adam in his image is so that in the future, God could have a biological son. God could have a biological son. God overshadowed Mary, and in her was conceived a biological son. Adam was a created son. He was a formed and fashioned. Jesus Christ is the biological. So Adam was the image, Jesus' image. Adam was the image in, in creation, Jesus the image in conception. Just like this. So he could have a church one day. The reason God created Adam like he did, different from the, is so that God could have a church, that he could have a people, that he could have those to fellowship and communicate with, sons and daughters. And that was the main purpose, to have a fellowship of our expression of love that was free will. Free will. That was, angelic hosts didn't have that kind of a free will that humans have. So can you think of any others why God created humans different than the rest of creation? Anything come to mind? Fellowship? Mm -hmm. Did God fellowship with the angelic host? Does he still fellowship or does he at all fellowship with the angelic host? Just a thought. Just let it. And the term fellowship that we know, fellowship that we have with God. Because the angels, they desire to look into our fellowship. I want a response. Hello. I don't think so much it's a fellowship as we understand it. It's, it could be a fellowship as a child is to their parent. Um, my mom used to always tell me, you know, I'm your mother, I'm not your friend. And that, that stuck because of the fact that I had fellowship with my mom, but there was a certain point that I didn't have fellowship with my mom because that was my mother. So I think that in those terms, I think that's how the relationship is with the angels and with God. I think they're in his presence, but I'm God, y'all are angels, there's a difference. Like you said, that's why they look in, into our fellowship with God because it's, it's something totally different. Paul said he was created in the image of him that was to come. Him that was to come. God foresaw his incarnation as Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. so he created Adam in that image. Yeah. Any other? Our fellowship with God is different than the angelic host. Would you not agree? Our fellowship with God is different than the devil's. Would you not agree? So, I just want, I'm asking these questions and I want them to be, I want you to think about them because you and I have a very specific function in creation. We have a very specific function in creation. So, listen, God created eagles, did he not? God created snakes, did he not? Okay. So, if you were to take a, 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 a snake and glue feathers on him and stick him in an eagle's nest and push him out of the nest, would he fly? Why? He's got feathers. Feathers. It's a snake. He wasn't wired to fly. He wasn't created to fly. An eagle was. We need to understand purpose behind creation. See, a lot of times we get confused about the purpose behind creation because... 
there's an expression God wants to put into this earth. And you and I are God's expression. Different than any other part of the creation. And I, I want to go somewhere with this. So, so we understand snake, snakes can't fly because they're not wired that way. God wired us in such a way in creation with the intent to reflect his nature and essence. God wired us this way. He made us this way. He wanted us to resemble his likeness and represent his interests. That, that's why we're the way we are. But we know what happened. God did that. Man is a living soul, but then all of a sudden man misses the mark. Messed it up. Yeah. The thought continually. Yeah. Constantly. All the time. God had the church in mind when he created Adam. Mm -hmm. He created the earth to have a place to build his church. The whole purpose of God, the ultimate expression of God is the church. Absolutely. All that was spoken into existence was so that God's expression in this earth would have a place to exist and live and breathe and have being and all those things. My, how things have changed. So, man misses the mark, he sins. And sin is what tarnishes that image of God that's in us. Sin is what tar doesn't turn tarnish God's image, but it tarnishes the image that should be in all of us. But sin does not change the purpose God had in mankind. God's purpose didn't change because we sinned. We, we forget that God's a very purposed God and very directive God, and sometimes we get to thinking, well, because I'm a sinner or because I've sinned in my life, that changes God's purpose in my life. Mm-mm. No. God didn't give up on His original plan and purpose. He never gave up His original plan. Otherwise, Jesus Christ would have never appeared on this earth. The reason that Jesus Christ appeared on this earth was to, for God to bring us, reestablish us back into that same relationship, that same image. So God created us as vessels in His image and in His likeness, and that's His intent today. Listen, here's what Job said. God is mighty and firm in His purpose. The writer of Psalm 33 said this, But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of His heart through all generations. Solomon said this, It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. There are a lot of purposes going on in this world, but the Lord's purpose, what He planned and purpose in the beginning, will prevail. Jeremiah said the Lord will carry out His purpose. The Message Bible, you know, I, I, I'm careful with that one, but the Message Bible says this in Romans 8, 29. God knew what He was doing from the very beginning. Would you agree? I'll agree with that. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love Him along the same lines as the life of His Son. What Bishop just said. Adam was shaped by the very life of Jesus Christ. Adam was shaped by the, the intent and image of, of Adam was the intent and image of Jesus Christ. The same. God said through Isaiah, my purpose will stand. What I have said, I will bring about. God's very purposeful. Even though sin tarnishes God's image in us, God's never changed or altered his purpose. He's never changed or altered it. His greatest expression of love for us was to set into motion His plan to reestablish His likeness in us. And we find that in Genesis 3.15. He established it right from the beginning that I'm going to reestablish what, what was happened here in the garden. And the garden and all this, this is not over. This is, my purpose is to have a people that I can fellowship with, with freedom and love, and that have my image or my likeness. That's the purpose, and it's going to happen. So... In the Old Testament, there was this constant bloodshed, constant shedding of blood. Go all the way back to the beginning. But in the fullness of time, the Scripture says God sent His Son. There's that flesh, that, that flesh of God as the perfect and final sacrifice. And as a result of God doing that, there's a new power now that operates in mankind. 
There's a new power that operates in us. This power has operated outside of mankind up until Pentecost. And now this new power, that's an old power, but a new power to us that operates in us, because men were of old were moved on by the Holy Ghost. Now we are moved in by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost, think about this a second. Jesus, is Paul called Jesus the second Adam. And the reason he called him that was for us to understand something. When, when, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what does God do? He breathes into you the breath of life, and you become a living soul. Up until that point, you are a dead soul. That's why you're born again, so that your soul has become alive. So what God did in beginning with Adam, he did again in Jesus Christ. Because he's a purposeful God. God has never altered that purpose. We, we've been created in His image, in His likeness, and He continues to draw us in that experience. He can, Paul wrote about it and wrote about it, to, to, that we should, you know, we, we should emulate Jesus Christ. And God is, he's, God's always ready and willing to do His part as long as we give Him permission and do our part. God's not going to interfere in your life if you don't want to do your part. He's not going to interfere. He's not going to push his way in. He'll call you and 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 call you. But he's got to have your permission. So God's asking your permission for you to be his likeness in the earth. That's what God's doing. He's asking your permission for you to be his likeness in the earth. Paul said this in Ephesians 4, 22 and 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. See, when you start talking about being like God, people get a little, oh, I can't be God. No, you, I can't either. But I can sure be like Him. I can sure be like, that's what I'm striving to do. Become more like him and more like him and put off the old me because the old me is just corrupt. The old me just wants to fulfill its own desires. And it's still that way. It's still that way. The old me wants to be corruptible. Wants to be desirous if you're my old nature. But God has helped me with that and has another purpose of having the Holy Ghost in your life is to lead you and guide you ahead of yourself. To lead you and guide you away from yourself and into Him. We have three responsibilities in becoming like Jesus by the Scripture that we just read. The first one is to lose the old ways of acting. Just lose them. Don't act like you used to act. Paul just said that. Look, you know that way you used to act? He said, you need to lose that. You need to get rid of that. That's... See, here's what we think in, our old, in the old church. A sinner comes to the altar, and God does some kind of weird deal and turns them around, jumps them up and down, and now God's made them not do the old stuff they used to do. Mm. God's not going to intrude in your life that way. God's going to be there to help you, but it's your decision to, 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 to say, God, here am I. Help me. Help me. Now, here, here's the thing. Understand this. There's nothing you or I can do within ourselves to ever become righteous, holy, or like God. Nothing. There's nothing we can do. We don't have the capabilities and all that. So what do we do? We rely on God to teach us. We rely on God to show us. We rely on the Holy Ghost to direct us. But we can never, there's not one milliounce of anything in us that can make us like God. We just have to decide to give it over to him. Here's the thing. Till we die, we're going to be fighting this battle. Till we die, we're going to be fighting this battle because we, we live in the flesh. We're fleshly beings. So understand that to become like him, to become like his image, is something that we have to give him permission to do in our lives. Our part is the permission thing. God, here am I. I'm just a... And third, put on the character of Jesus Christ. Paul talks about taking the character of Jesus Christ. God doesn't have character. God has essence. God only took on character when he came in the flesh. 
And the character was for us to emulate. The character of Jesus Christ is for us to emulate. But God is essence. Love is not a characteristic of God. It's not a characteristic of God. It is God. God is love. Uh, patience is not a characteristic of God. That's, that is God. All of those things that we read about that are characteristics that Paul talks about that we need to attain and all those things are the characteristics that Jesus Christ proclaimed. God in the flesh proclaimed to us that in my likeness, this is how you do it in the flesh. If you're going to be like me, this is how you do it in the flesh. It's not something God does to us. It's something He empowers us to do. He empowers us to do. To be His expression in the earth. So today can be a creation day all over for us again. Today can be a creation day for us all over again. He's ready to breathe new life into us. God wants to breathe new life into us every single day. One of the reasons we want to, I'm going to use this word, reignite the Holy Ghost in us. I had a guy tell me, you've heard me tell this before. Guys, man, you know, I need you to pray for me. I think the Holy Ghost leaked out. I don't have as much Holy Ghost as you used to have. You know what? You got all the Holy Ghost you're ever going to have. It's not, it's not the Holy Ghost that has the problem. It's, it's the direction you're walking. You're not walking after spirit. You're walking after flesh, but you're blaming the spirit for leaving when, in fact, the spirit's there. You're just walking away. That's, that's the humanity in us. So every day we should ask God to breathe new life into us. After all, you know, as a Christian, you're now wired to be like Jesus. As a Christian, you're now wired to be like Jesus, to reflect His character, to resemble His likeness, to represent His interests. What is the interest of Jesus Christ? This one's pretty easy. What's the interest of Jesus Christ? Draw the lost. Draw humanity. The creation, creation. The likeness and image of creation that in the beginning was the likeness and image of God, but who missed the mark. And so the interest of Jesus is, is to bring people back to that place where we can hit the mark. Where we can hit the mark. You understand this is a lifelong thing, right? This is what I don't want to present to you is perfection because it will not ever exist until we're with Him in glory. There's no perfection in our lives. The word perfection here, I'm not talking about completion. God, the Bible says God will complete a work in your life. That's complete and perfect. It's the same. He'll complete or He'll perfect a work in your life. He'll complete it, but that doesn't mean you're perfect without sin. That, that's the, what I'm saying. We're perfection without sin, not, not perfection. Because God can, you've heard Bishop say this. So, so often you hear people say, well, our, you know, he lived a good life and he lived 86 years and it was, he made his years and God called him home. No, he made his purpose. God perfected in him his purpose. And when that purpose was completed and fulfilled, now it's time to come home. It's not about the years you live. It's about the completion of purpose in your life. Let's keep going. I'm almost done. God has never changed his original purpose in you and in me. He's never changed that per original purpose. And that's for us to be his image. In this, uh, that's for us to grow his image in this earth. That is, that is that relationship that we have with God. He still wants you and me to be the ultimate expression in all that exists. Have you all seen those shots that the, the Hubble takes out in space? Well, the Scripture says, he, and he made the stars, and that's all it's... <laughs> Wait a minute. When you look at the pictures that we've got of some of the nearby celestial... When you look at that, you know, and, but he just made the stars? Because that's not his ultimate expression. Have you seen the pictures lately of, you know, uh, we know more about the surface of the moon than we know about the surface of the bottom of the oceans. Yeah. We've only investigated 3% of the oceans. 
That's about all we've investigated. And now they're, they're, I was reading a deal the other day and saw the pictures. There, there are creatures at the bottom, you know, miles and miles and miles deep. There's no light. And so they have this ability to create their own light within their body. And that, that's what they, that's not God's ultimate. The largest living organism in the world is a group of aspen trees group of aspen trees. At first they thought aspen trees were singular. When they started researching it, they started looking. It's all one big system. All one big root. They're all together. It's the largest living organism in the world. Aspen trees. Not great. Not God's greatest expression. It's a pretty good expression. That's not God's greatest expression. God's greatest expression is you. God's greatest expression with you. His challenge to us today is just to Express him into the world. You know, what we're seeing a lot in modern Christianity is the desire to express ourselves. That's why you have a lot of the stuff you have, and what you read and see is people are just wanting to express themselves when we're supposed to be expressing him and showing him. That's why the, the Word of God, you know, you hear pastors all the time, you need to study, you need to study, you need to study, you need to study, you need to study. There's a reason for that. The more you study about what he said about us and him, the more we can express him into the world. The less we know about him, and listen, you, you can read the Bible and know every bit of it and still just know a very minute part of, of who and what God is. It's just, it's, it's, This is just relationship. That book is nothing more than God saying, this is the relationship I want to have with you. That's that's what it's all about. And because he said that, there's a reasoning of purpose. This is the relationship I want to have with you because I have purposed you to be the image of myself and the earth. And so reading and studying is very critical. You know, I think most people think pastors and teachers tell you that so you can be saved. That's kind of the old you know, dynamics of what we used to be taught. The more the Word, the better chance you have of being saved. Because mm. I, know, I know some people, and so do you, that know the Word better than most of us. Backwards, forwards, up and down. They could care less about God. It's good history, and it's good. Hey, I wanted to read it to find out what it's about. Don't agree with it, but I know all about it. I've stated all the dynamics of it, but don't believe it. So the purpose of that book is to keep us in relationship with him so that our image is not our own. It's his. Anybody have? There's a passage in Job that has troubled me all of my Christian life. And in light of what you've said tonight, I'd like to throw it out for discussion. Job is trying to process what he's going through. And he says, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. So he's saying God's word is the most valuable thing in my life. Yet I don't understand what he's doing to me. But then he said, God is of one mind. Who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. For the thing that he performeth, that he's appointed for me. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me. And many such things are with him. Then he said, therefore am I troubled at his presence. And when I consider it, I'm afraid of him. For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. So Job is saying, I don't have any say-so in what I'm going through. God's appointed this for me, and he's stubborn. And whatever he's appointed, that's what I'm going to go through. And Job said, because of that, I'm afraid of him. Because I have no idea what God may require of me. Now, that, that passage has troubled me all of my life. I don't believe in predestination. 
Right. But when you decide to make a choice to serve God, you're his, you're his nickel, his dime. He can spend you any way he wants to. And, and however he chooses to use you, you know, that's why I say when you walk with God, you have to accept his ways mm-hmm. without understanding his motives. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's some things that's, you know, the guys in Babylon that served him best got the worst of it. The disciples, those who served him best, got the worst of it. I guess for, for me, uh, when we look, like for instance, let's just look at the apostles. I mean, they got the worst of it, right? We look from the dynamic of humanity when we, they got the worst of it. But could what we call the worst be the best? Could that dynamic, and because from God's eyes and God's point of view and God's purpose, he purposed those things in their life. I see that, but how, how do you explain Paul shipwrecked, beaten, stoned? I mean, he's trying to spread the gospel. He's trying to advocate f- for God, and he goes through. I don't know that I know of anybody that I've ever known that called themselves Christian that could endure what Paul did and be as faithful as Paul did. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I could. Right. It would be difficult. But there again, I don't, and again, this is for me. I, I don't know the Apostle Paul other than what I read. And so I don't know the dynamic of his personality, who he was. And it could be that God purposed in his life those things to keep him on track. I, I don't know. I mean, I can't, to keep him without those things, he might not have been able to stay on track. I, I mean, I don't have a, because sometimes in our lives things happen, and you wonder why in the world did this happen in my life? What you know? Why did why did this trouble happen? We see it from a different perspective, and at the same time, God knows because He's already purposed in our life the direction He wants to have, and so He knows what it takes to keep us in purpose. That that's my. That's the only thing I can come up yeah. with because, I mean, if God purposes something for me, there's, there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to find somewhere in what I'm going through a grace from God that's sufficient. Yeah. You know, the grace of God just isn't a merited favor. It's the power to deal with things in life that you're called to go through. And maybe not even understand. And not even understand. Right. God doesn't explain himself. Right. Th- those, those, and here, again, Jason, I'll get Those things that we now have purposed in our life originally weren't meant to be purposed in the life, say, of Adam. Originally weren't meant to be. Adam was meant to be where he was at. But when Adam had free choice, then he, then he stepped out of purpose. That doesn't mean God changed purpose, but now that means that God's going to have to purpose something in his life to bring him back to the original purpose. That, that, that's how I see it, that what we go through in life is to bring us back to original purpose. Right now, we've got this forked road that God will bring back together in the end where we're back into the original relationship and purpose. But as it were, and you know, what, ta- what it takes for me and purposed in me, it may be different what it takes for you and purposed in you. You, you wonder why God did what he did. Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He was in the mind of God before Adam was ever created because mm-hmm. God knew what Adam was going to do. Mm-hmm. So you want, why did God create? You know, why? Right, that's a question we will never answer. Yeah. It's just you know, the, the why part of why God did. If God knew all this was going to happen, why didn't he just skip it? Because God's purpose was to have someone to have a loving relationship with, even if it took, I'm not explaining the why, this is how I see it, even if it took creating Adam and allowing him to do what he did in sin, and even if that's what it took to bring that relationship and to have that relationship, I mean, I can't explain the why, that's just how I see it. It's it's, Because that's a big three-letter word on this, the why, it's huge. 
Because, you know, why does God allow babies to, you know, bad things happen to little children? Why does God allow this and this and that? You know, we have, we have to go back to original purpose first. We can't explain why God, because there are things about, you know, what you've said it quite often. Don't, don't try to entertain matters that you, you have no, there's no way you're ever going to get there. Matters that are more weightier than we can even understand. You know, well, I guess when we get there, it'll be a foot race. <laughs> There'll be a lot of people wanting to know why. There'll be a foot race. But I think we'll understand the why then. I don't think we understand the why now is because with with the billions of people that have existed in this earth, not everybody is purposed the same. We're all purposed in being like God, but God purposes things in our life to get us there. And we're not all, you know, you've heard Bishop say it, your ladder to hell is different than my ladder to hell. So purpose in my life can be different because of my ladder. You know, there are, vari- there are variations in that. There, there are different variances. them a certain way um, in the in the midst of it while he's practicing because he's he's pouring down drenching sweat blood tears everything else he doesn't know why until when it's that game time or that crucial moment that he needed that that extra push that he can't came out victorious whether it's a sack tackle interception touchdown whatever the case may be never knowing um, I think the why with when it comes to understanding who God is I don't think like y'all said we can't understand the why but we can definitely see the purpose behind. And through the relationship, through the being in the Word, putting everything, using the tools that God has given us, that why becomes, I don't want to say irrelevant, but it changes from why to when you look in the mirror, I'm still here. So there's still something more that I have. There's still something more that I'm doing. There's further that I'm going. Um, I agree with both of y'all when, uh, when the Word teaches us that we'll never understand why we're here on this earth. Um, those are matters that, that are beyond. But I also think that while we say why, if Adam had never stepped out of the purpose, would these things still be happening? Because at the beginning, the original purpose that we have was that we had dominion. There was no issues. There was none of these, none of these things going on. So when God gives us that dominion, and then as we stepped out and God's word, we have dominion, yet we give it to somebody else, the spirit, you know, the enemy, these things happen. That doesn't mean that God's word has changed, but he's still holding true to, uh, to his word, just like we speak healing over ourselves, just like we speak and pray over uh, certain things that happen. Now, when, you know, kids are dying and, you know, these bad things are happening, um, even now, I don't think it should be attested to God letting more than God has given us, and he said, this is what y'all have, so now you're reaping what you're sowing throughout all these years because all this stuff that's happening is not just, well, this one seed planted. No, we're seeing the ripple effects from seeds that was planted generations and and years ago. So um, I say all that to say, yeah, I don't know the why, but the relationship that that gives the purpose definitely helps us to make it through like Job did because out of everything, the word always said, Job did not curse God. As so many times as he had the opportunity to, including with that nagging wife. Mm-hmm. He never cursed God, and I think that is very, very important. I love y'all wives. And, rough, and, and some rough friends. So, so when you get into the why things, this is why we, we can't, understanding that God doesn't live in a time frame. God lives in eternity, so there's no time issue in there. So was Adam and the world created for Jesus Christ? Was Jesus Christ created for Adam and the world? Yes and yes. Yes and yes. Jesus Christ was, Adam was created so that God would have a biological son, God come in flesh and be a sacrifice. So was Adam created for that? Or was because the Bible says that before the foundations, Jesus, in other words, in the eternal, not, not that God placed it in time anywhere. In God's eternal being, Jesus Christ, the man Jesus Christ, was crucified and died for sin before sin ever existed. 
So it's it's the chicken and the egg thing we're trying to, which was first. Well, we know the chicken was created, but it's that proverbial which was first the chicken and the egg, and we'll we can't understand that here. And so what we have to do is we have to go back to the original purpose that God brought us into being, and that's where we shoot for going back to that original purpose. But my point is this: when you come into Christianity, you come in it with all of this, you know, this is the panacea, this is whatever, not thinking Mm -hmm. that you may be signing up for something that you have no idea what you're signing up for and how prepared are you for what God may be planning in your future. That that terrified Joe, and it scares me. Mm -hmm. To be honest, it terrifies me. Yeah, I I think... Personally, I, I, I liken, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I liken the new birth experience because I was dead to a natural birth experience. And a newborn baby has no understanding and grows in that. And I think as Christians, as we grow, because when I first came into the church, it was utopia. There was no, you couldn't tell me there was any bad going on here. There was any, but as I grew, I learned that there was not only bad in other people and bad in this and that, there was still bad in me. And so in that, I had, to, I had to grow, escalate in my knowledge, all of those things. And I, I think if somebody that comes into the church, if I were to, if, if, if Scott was a new, Scott comes in, baptized, get the Holy Ghost, I'm, new, I'm born again. And I said, listen, Scott, let me, let me just fill you in here before you get any further. <laughs> if you tried that with a newborn baby naturally, they're not going to understand it. And you might even scare them. But as you grow, and well, obviously we know Job grew. Job had his understanding. But Job had the understanding of, of saying, you know what? In all of this, I don't get it, God. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what you're doing. But I'm not going to curse you. I'm not going to charge you foolishly. So there was that growth in him. And I think that's part of our purpose here is to grow in that. But the altar calls of Jesus were far different than any evangelistic altar calls we ever made. Yeah. Because he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before you build a tower, you need to sit down and count the cost. You need to weigh out all the issues that may be faced here. You know, he said, if you, if you, if you think you're going to go to war, you better stop and make sure mm-hmm. that you, you, you've got what it takes to articulate this war. I mean, his altar calls were far, far different. Yeah. You, to prepare yourself to be my follower... There's two passages in the book of Philippians, one where Paul said, I counted. That means that he went through the, Took the circumstances yeah. of life that he could face, and he said, I counted the cost then, and, and now he's writing the book of Philippians, and he said in verse next verse, I count. What I counted in the beginning, I still count now. Mm-hmm. But... But he thought through the process. He really tried to understand what he might face. I mean, he said God's grace was sufficient for him. And, you know, he said a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. Paul never had a, a, a peaceful moment in his ministry in his life. This demon of Satan was there to constantly attack and taunt him. But he found God's grace sufficient. And, and I think that's the answer. We find mm-hmm. God's grace sufficient yeah. for whatever, whatever we face. But I think to find that sufficient grace, it, it's imperative on a child of God to count the cost 
of what mm -hmm. you may endure. You know, and as, mm -hmm. as we're facing what we're facing in our world now, this becomes more and more and more real to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost not that we're facing what the early church, because they faced death, but that's that possibility. It's coming. So, so do, when you face death, yeah, that's counting. That's counting a... Not, my mind cannot grasp. I can think I count the cost. I can prepare myself. I could pray every day. I could be in the Word every day. And there's still going to be stuff thrown at me that I had no clue yeah. where it came from. I'm going to be tested and tried. Like it says, I'm going to be tested and tried. And there's going to be stuff, you know, that no matter what generation we live in, we're going to face stuff different, but we're all going to face stuff. And I think in the end, it comes down to, yes, his grace is sufficient for me. And I just have to trust him. He's in control. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I just, no matter what, I believe mm -hmm. that he's, he's in control. I don't see the big picture. I can't comprehend the big picture. I see this little time that I'm in. And, but I just have to believe. If, if I didn't believe, there's no sense in me even pretending to even try to walk this walk. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that's one of the costs you have to count is, are you really going to trust him? Do you really believe he has control? Is God bigger than all of this? Or do we try to put him in the little box and understand everything about him? We can never do that. And so sometimes it's just, okay, God, I have no clue what's going on. But, yeah, I know you're in control, and that's how I'm walking. I trust you. You know, Jesus laid it out for them when he was talking to his disciples. He says, listen, you're going to have tribulation. What do you think I'm going through? You know, you're going to be – what do you think I'm going through? I'm being persecuted. Don't, understand you're going to be persecuted too. But, but to what extent? Because they heard Jesus say it, and they fled in the time of need, and yet they came back in the time of – I mean, the very guy that three times said, you know, I don't know who that is came back and said, you know what, I'm going to tell you what this is. So, you know, you know part of, I think part of living for God is just understanding you're not going to know everything, but you need to be, be more prepared to trust the Lord than to know. Probably is a better, be more prepared to trust God that when he says he will keep you, he will keep you. That doesn't mean you won't go through problems. That doesn't mean you won't be persecuted, but he'll keep you. And that's the part. We, th we think keeping us is making sure we still have a house and food and a car and a job. That's not what keeping, he's, he's talking about in here. The bottom line is what happens in here. So, you know, again, as Americans, we look at things so askewed, askewed because our idea of what it means for God to keep us is totally off board with what God meant by that, so... Just gonna say, you know, my my fear is the average Christian in America, knowing their lack of attention to Scripture, knowing their lack of prayer, knowing their lack of consecration and commitment. You just wonder how many of them are going to survive this. Mm -hmm. That's the fear. Yeah. I always go back to something my mother told me a long time ago. Um, she said, Junie, do you think that your daddy would care if you had an ingrown toenail? You think he'd be concerned about that? I said, well, yeah, he would, he would not want me to hurt. She said, how much more would you think your heavenly father would care about your ingrown toenail? And I said, well, I guess he would care about that. If he cares about my ingrown toenail and he loves me more than my earthly father loves me, then I'm going to trust him with anything else he if he cares for something as little as that, he would care for the big things in my life. Yeah, I guess uh, pastors think a little different, quite frankly, because we're under shepherds. We think, and our concern is not just for our own selves. We have a high concern for, you know, not that you don't, but your understanding as a shepherd, you, you, you have a different 
mindset. I don't want to say level because that's not, but a different mindset because you're not your own and you know, hey, you know, my responsibility is to reach as many as possible, to instruct as many as possible, to prepare them as many as possible. And my one of my biggest concerns is there are people that when you tell them these things, study, okay, I will, and they don't do it. Pray, okay, I will, but they don't do it. And, and that's a big concern for pastors. So can I... Not to put us on pedestal, but just to understand our, uh, yeah, our responsibility. All of our responsibilities reach the loss, but as a pastor, your responsibility goes beyond that because there there is a different level or a calling. Can I say purpose that we're called to? That that the responsibility is very grave, and so yeah, I, I have the same concern about America that Christians, when it hits the fan, a Christian is to be Christ-like to follow after Him. It's coming. God bless you. Everybody smile. Everybody smile. The more you get in that Word and pray, it's like, you know, you know what? You don't have to come to church to be saved. But you know what? how much more uh, percentage of in- increases you are becoming, you know, by being in church? It greatly increases your ability and ca- opportunity to be saved by being with people of like faith. It's the same thing with word and prayer and consecration. It greatly increases your ability, greatly increases your ability to stick with God. When the wolf wants to get a sheep, lamb, he separates them from the flock. Yeah. That's the way he gets them. And if he can separate you from the flock of God, that's where he can get you. Yeah. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.